Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. And in our text that we read, Matthew 1, I'll read it again, verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus was on the wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she found she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on those these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Oh, hallelujah. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold a virgin. Here we go again. Here's what's said in Isaiah 7:14. Behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. God with us, God in the flesh. My, then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. He knew her not until she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus, just as the angel said. Now turn to Luke chapter 2, if you would. Luke chapter 2, but keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 1, because we'll be going back there. Luke chapter 2. Brother Travis spoke wonderfully on this text last week. Man, I love what he said. The greatest birth, the greatest birth that ever occurred is the birth of Christ. The greatest birth that ever occurred in this world is the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verses 1 to 7. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there today's were accomplished that she should be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the end now think upon this on that day when Christ was born there was no doubt thousands of other children born on that day in the world through the known world at that time, which the Romans called the known world, and through all over the place. Many children born that day. But none who were born were like this child. This child is God with us. This child is Emmanuel. This is the child that was promised way back in Genesis chapter 3 the seed of the woman 
conceived by the Holy Spirit of God, born without sin. And why did he come here? That's exactly right. To save us from our sins. That's the whole reason. The whole reason Christ came was to save sinners. That's the whole reason he came. My brother and sister who are sinners like me, aren't you thankful? Aren't you grateful? Oh my, what a savior, what a redeemer. Listen to 1 Timothy 3.16 and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. This is a mystery that we can't understand. God was manifest in the flesh. God himself manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed in the word, in, believed in the world and received up the glory. And do you know that our son, he was, or our, our son, like I was looking at my son at that time. <laughs> our Savior was born king. King of kings and Lord of lords. And do you know he was king before he even came? And you know he was king while he was on this earth? Do you know he's king right now in glory? He's never ceased to be king. Ever. He's never abdicated his throne. And he never was. That's our Savior. God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word of God. The second person of the Trinity became a man. Well, why? Why? Go back to Matthew one twenty one again. And this is not my opinion. And, and this is what the scriptures say. This is wonderful. For sinners, this is the greatest news that a sinner could ever hear. Look at this. And notice the word. Now, Dave, we've been, we've been giving praise to God over the word shall. Look at, look at how many times the word shall is used here. And shall is definitive. It shall come to pass. There's no doubt. Christ, the scripture says in Isaiah about the Messiah, he shall not fail. He's come to accomplish a mission. And we have the mission right here in this verse. And this is wonderful. And she shall bring forth a son. There's no doubt about it. This is going to happen. God prophesied it was going to happen. God planned and purposed that this was going to happen. Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He must come into time and space where we dwell, right? You see, see, God can't die so he becomes a man so he can die for the sins of his people. And now he enters into heaven as the God-man mediator for us. He's still fully God as he's on this earth. And yet he's fully man. Look at this. And she shall bring forth a son. There's no doubt it was going to happen. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he what? Shall save. Not maybe. Not if man makes a decision. Not if, not if. This, this shall is before I was even born. Now, again, you've heard me say, 
We're made willing in the day of God's power. I'm not saying that we don't exercise our will, but we're made willing. Otherwise, we're unwilling to come to God. And it says here, he shall save his people from their sins. It is finished. I preach a finished work. It's already done. There's nothing for us to do. God acts upon us, regenerates us. We're born again of the Holy Spirit of God, and we run to Christ after we've been given faith and repentance before God. And he gets all the glory, doesn't he? Like Sister Kath is saying, oh, how merciful God's been to me. Has he been merciful to you? Oh, let us praise his mighty name. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Turn, if you would, to Micah. Micah chapter 5. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Oh, my. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Remember how we saw in Luke that, and think of this, how God in his sovereignty ordained, moved on that, uh, the, the Roman emperor at that time to tax a people? <laughs> at the exact time that Mary was heavy with child, right? Almost ready to give, it, give birth. But, but the Lord couldn't be born in Nazareth. He couldn't be born in Galilee. Because the scripture says, is prophesied, he'll be born in Bethlehem. So because of that tax, or people say, well, that just happened by chance. No, it didn't. God is the orchestrator of all things that way. Right? And here we go. Look at this. Micah 5, 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. Who is Christ? He's God. He's God in the, in the flesh. He is the ancient of days. And he became a man. He humbled. You talk about humility. People talk about humility. That person's so humble. You talk about humility. Angels are bowing down before him and worshiping and praising his mighty name. And he comes down to this sin-cursed world and people hate him and they spit on him and they mock him. And here he is. All he has to do is say a word and they, they can die just like that. And yet he's so merciful, isn't he? What, merciful, what mercy he had on us before we were saved. Oh, he's so merciful. Grace goes before grace. See, he knows who his sheep are. We don't, but he knows. And all through our unsaved days, even, he's taking care of us, watching over us, keeping us from being, just keeping us from destroying ourselves, which is what we would have done. Isn't it amazing? Isn't God's grace so wonderful? My! It's absolutely incredible. So this child was of humble beginnings. There, there was no room in the end. The world, had, the world had no room for him. Nope. No room for him. And here he is. He who's born king. He who is the ruler of all. 
he who who had the tree grow that he would be crucified upon. He who had the rock mined that the nails would be made of that would pierce his hands and his feet. He who had spoken the world into existence. Here he is, lying in the manger. And there's no room for him. The world says, we got no room for you. And you know, by nature, we would say the same thing. If God hadn't done a mighty work in us. Isn't, that, isn't he so merciful? That song fit right in, didn't it? I didn't even notice you can sing that. <laughs> isn't he so merciful? Oh, he's so merciful, isn't he? Oh, my. I'll tell you, I just, our Lord is incredible. <laughs> Oh, let's read Matthew 1, verses 20 and 21 again. And he was called Jesus. The whole reason he was named Jesus, well, because God had ordained that name for him. It's, it, it's, uh, but he was called Jesus because the angel commanded Joseph, or commanded uh, Mary and Joseph that, that, uh, or Joseph, that, that his name would be Jesus. Look at Matthew 1, 20 and 21. Well, he thought on these things. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, right? Messiah, for he shall save his people from their sins. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is, a, is an incredible title. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the Savior sent from God, like we saw in the study in John 17. Sent. Sent by the Father. You know, the Father sent him here to save us from our sins. That's amazing in itself. Who did we sin against? The Father. And yet here he is in his mercy and his grace. Oh, how merciful God's been to us, eh? Oh, how merciful he's been to us. Let us praise his mighty name. And he grew up in the despised village of Nazareth. And at the age of 30, he publicly entered his divine mission. Remember, it was all set, all planned and purposed by God, all ordained by God. Even his death. Even his death. Everything is all planned and purposed according to God's calendar. And he completed his divine mission because he was on a mission. He was sent for one thing, to save his people from their sins. Live that perfect life we never could, right? And to save us from our sins. My. And he's, he did it. His crowning glorious success in, in his death at Calvary's tree, in his glorious resurrection into glory in heaven where he's now, where, where is he right now? Oh, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, beloved. Has his mercy ceased? No, it's still. We're receivers of his mercy and grace, aren't we? Oh, my. He's been so merciful to us. And you know, Jesus never traveled beyond the small country where he was born. You know, he never wrote a book. <laughs> don't get me wrong, right? But, but <laughs> I don't know how many religious books there are where people are like, well, can you read my book? Right? He never wrote a book. He never wrote a book. 
More books, but think of this, more books being written about him, haven't there? Than any other person in the world. He never invented anything, yet, yet all inventions are dated by his birth and his death. You ever think that? A.D. and B.C.? Oh, my. All the patents are dated according to his birth and death. He never owned anything, and yet, yet every man and woman is eternally poor without him. That's amazing. He was poor, and yet he made many rich. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking wealth. I'm talking spiritual blessings. Justification. Justification. To be able to stand in the presence of God. Justified. Because we're clothed in his righteousness. Redemption. To be saved from our sins. We couldn't, we couldn't pay for one of our sins. And he, he says it's finished. Pays for them all. Sanctification. We're holy in Christ. Right? Wisdom. You know, I'm looking at people who are wise. Not, not of our own making, but God's made us wise unto salvation, hasn't he? Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Everything we know, whether it be, you've heard, I'm going to keep saying this too. Everything we know, whether it be in the world, worldly knowledge, and everything we know spiritually, has been given to us by God. Isn't that wonderful? That's amazing. My. My, oh my. Listen to this. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst from the top to the bottom. And when Jesus cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And heaven said this, he gave up the ghost. He gave his own life. He willingly came into this world to save sinners who shook their fists at him Right? I was one of those rebels who used to curse his name, and now I praise his name. Dave, we've talked about that many times. He's turned us into ones who now praise his name. It's amazing. Only God can do that. I'll tell you. Only God can do that. That's a miracle. And then he willingly gave his life up, didn't he? Willingly. Says he gave up the ghost. Spurgeon, I think it was, said he could have hung up there for as long as he had wanted to. He's God. He willingly gives up the ghost. And then they come to break his bones and he's already dead. So that not a bone, as the prophet said, shall be broken in his body. Oh, my. As I mentioned earlier, the birth of Jesus was unique. It was different from all other births that night. First, it was unique in its nature. Look at verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise when his Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So this birth is unique in its nature. This is nothing that no one in science can explain. But see, God is above all those things, isn't he? Oh, my. This is supernatural. Just as Isaac's birth was supernatural, right? Sarah was past her time to have children. 
And God said to Isaac, you're going to have a son, child of promise. Well, Sarah got a little ahead with, with Hagar, didn't he? Yeah, didn't she? Tried to force it to happen, and God said, no, Sarah's going to have the baby. And not Hagar. And even despite that situation, God still blessed Hagar and her son, didn't he? My, oh my. So this was a supernatural birth. Just as Sarah's having Isaac was a supernatural birth. But Jesus had no human father. He had no human father. We all have human fathers. My children are sinners because I'm a sinner. Right? And I'm a sinner because my dad was a sinner and my mom was a sinner. And they were sinners because their, 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 their parents were sinners. Sinners beget sinners, don't we? But Christ was the seed of the woman. We see here that, she was, that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. The eternal Son of God is born as a man in a body that was prepared for him by God. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5 wherefore, says, Wherefore when he came into this world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Oh my. Turn if you would to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We'll read, <coughs> excuse me, verses 26 to 35. Now, babies with a human father are born, are born wicked. Folks often recoil at that. But the scripture, I'm, this is not my opinion. Listen to what the scripture says. The wicked are estranged from the womb. Right? They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. That's what the scripture says. Born sinners. Scripture says we were conceived in sin. But look at this. In Luke chapter 1. Oh, how merciful God is to us. Look at this. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 35. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said, here, look at these two words. Oh, look at these two words. These two words. Remember David with Mephibosheth? And you know, God says this to us in Christ. Fear not. Fear not. Isn't that wonderful? Fear not, Mary. For thou hast found favor with God. Do you know God's people have found favor with God? That's the only thing that made us to differ. 
we're no different than anybody else. The only one who's made us to differ is God. Not ourselves, it's God. It's amazing. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a child. There's that little word again. And thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. Oh, he's great, isn't he? Greatly to be praised, right? He shall be called the son of the highest. You remember those demons? They said, we know who thou art, thou holy one of God. They knew who he was. He's the holy one of God. Oh, my. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall. Oh, look at those words. That little word is amazing. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Miracle. A virgin shall give birth. So Christ was born sinless. He was conceived without sin. We're conceived with sin because the, uh, the seed and in, in the father's seed and the mother's egg come together and form a, form a child. But that child is conceived in sin. Not this one. Not this one. He's the seed of the woman. Oh my. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. Christ never sinned in his life. You know, he died sinless too. When he hung on that cross, he died absolutely sinless. Our sins were imputed to him. Right? He was made sin for us, but he was still sinless. He offered himself, the scripture says in Hebrews, without spot and blemish. He's perfect. He's, he's the perfect lamb of God. And our sins were imputed to him and his perfect righteousness is imputed to us. What, a, what an exchange. I like to call that the great transaction. Oh my. It's incredible. And he's born sinless, never sinned in his life because he's God. God can't sin, can he? God can't sin. I preached a sermon once called The Impeccability of Christ. He could not sin. He's God. He's tempted like us, but he can't sin. <laughs> He's perfect. He's sinless. John the Baptist even said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now the, the Passover lamb had to be perfect, didn't he? In order to be accepted. He had to be absolutely perfect. There he is. Behold God's lamb. Behold God's sacrifice for sin. Oh my. And then he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, cometh no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He never lied. He never lied. He never, he never even, he, he didn't even bring attention to himself, did he? Oh my, he's wonderful. Look at this in Luke chapter 2. Oh, look at this. The birth of the, birth of the great peacemaker, which is what Christ is. He's the great peacemaker, right? We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Man's always searching for peace in this world. And it always gets broken because we're a bunch of sinners. But if God himself makes peace with God for us, guess what? We have peace with God now. Isn't that beautiful? It's wonderful. Oh, how merciful he's been to us. Oh, I could get Kathy to sing that song again for us. That was amazing. My, oh, my. Oops. I just called 911 and didn't even know it. Okay. Got too excited there. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> oh, my. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. Here we go. And they were in the same country. Shepherds. Now think of this. Here's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He didn't come in pomp and circumstance, did he? Sometimes when kings enter into a, into a land, they come in pomp and circumstance, don't they? Look at this. this. Look at our king. This is the king of kings and the lord of lords. Look how he comes into this world. And they were in that same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. Oh my, they were afraid. And look at, look at what the angel says to them. Look what the angel says to them shepherds. There's two words again that we keep seeing popping up. And the angel said unto them, fear not. Oh, isn't God so merciful? He says to us in Christ, sinner friend, fear not. Oh, it's wonderful. Fear not. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. God has a people in every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation, doesn't he? This is wonderful. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there were, look at this. Could you imagine? Here, the angel Lord appears. And then all of a sudden, the, the shepherds are already freaking. They're just shaking, right? And then a multitude of angels shows up. <laughs> this will be the story they're going to tell their grandparents or their grandkids. And it's going to get passed down through generations. Oh, and suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts. What are they doing? What do, what do the angels of heaven do? They praise God, don't they? Oh, look at that. What are we going to do when we get to heaven? We're going to praise God, aren't we? We're going to praise. If, if we praise him here, we're going to praise him there. I'll tell you what. And we're going to praise him perfectly. Amen, brother. Amen. What do they say? Glory to God in the highest. Oh, my and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. Do you know it's the goodness of God that, that leads man to repentance, the scripture says? Every one of us who's a saved sinner can say, God's been so good to me. He's been good to us, Brother Brian, hasn't he? Oh, he's been so good to us, brother. <laughs> my, oh my, I'll tell you what. Oh. And, and notice, there's no announcement to the high priest of Israel. There's no announcement to the royalty of Israel. There's no announcement to the royalty of Rome. Look at this. Lowly shepherds are the first ones to hear of the news of the Messiah. Oh, it's wonderful. 
My. So this birth was a unique birth. As, as Brother Travis mentioned last week, it was the greatest birth that ever occurred in this world. The next point is the birth of Christ was prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. It was prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. And again, Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. A virgin shall, shall give birth. Mm. And our Lord's birth was a fulfillment of that. Listen to this in Genesis chapter 3. When our first parents fell, God announced that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. My, my, and the serpent would bruise his heel. That's speaking of the humanity of Christ. He crushed Satan at the cross. He crushed Satan at the cross. You, you hear some Christians, some professing Christians, and you think that Satan has more power than God. No, he doesn't. As Henry Meehan used to say, he's God's devil. He can only do what God allows. Period. We see that in the book. If you ever have any doubt, just read the book of Job. He can only do what God allowed him to do to Job. My, oh my. And what, what Satan does, he casts doubt on the word of God. That's his... That's his that's his master trick. Is he makes he start pe making people think, well, the word of God don't really say that. Or I think. You ever hear those words? I think it means this. I had a fellow just this week. He's like, well, I think. I said, number one, the prof the the scriptures is not a private interpretation. What I think or what you think doesn't matter. What does the word of God say? Right. That's what matters. Doesn't matter what I think about it. Doesn't matter what you think about it. What does it say? And like Norm Wells says, if we'd only believe what it says, it wouldn't fight against it. My, oh my. My, oh my. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 22. Do you know God promised Abraham that one of his descendants would be a blessing to all nations? Speaking of Christ. So he was prophesied of in the, in the Old Testament. Again, I'll read Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now notice that. Notice he said to him, he said to him, between thy seed. Well, that's us born dead in trespasses and sins. And God said, I'll put enmity between your children in the seed of the woman. Who do men hate? The seed of the woman. By nature we hate Christ. Oh, there's a natural enmity there, isn't there? Between the seed of the of Adam and Eve and the seed of the woman. My, oh, my. Look at this in Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 to 18. And look at this. Look at the mercy flowing from these words, right? You know, oh, how merciful is our dear sister saying God's been to us. Oh, how merciful. Look at the mercy flowing from these words. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. Verse uh, 15 of Genesis 22. 
and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord. Now if the Lord swears something, it's going to come pass, isn't it? Oh my. Saith the Lord, Jehovah. For because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed, as the stars of heaven, and as the sands of the sea, which sand which is upon the sea shore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice that seed there is not the nation of israel that seed there is christ blessings only come to god's people through christ at a very tribe tongue kindred and nation how do we know that's how do we know that that speaks of Christ? Well turn if you would quickly to Galatians. Galatians chapter three. And this is the scripture saying this. It's not my opinion, it's what the scripture says. And we bow our knee to it, right? Look at this. This is wonderful. This is this is amazing. <laughs> Look at this. Galatians chapter 3. We're starting verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Now he's writing to the church in Galatia. Right? And he's speaking this of the body of Christ. All the elect of all the ages. Look what it says. And if ye be Christ, because he's the seed spoken of over there in Genesis chapter 22. Look at this. And if ye be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's what the scriptures say, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, does God have a people still all over the world? Yeah, in every, every country in the world. We don't know who they are. The gospel goes out. We pray for God to use it for his glory and honor and praise. And he will draw in those for whom Christ died. So what this is saying then, take all those Old Testament prophets and you know who they're for? God's people, his elect. That's amazing. That's amazing, isn't it? He's so good. He's so merciful. Now, do we pray for peace around the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. We pray God will draw his people in? Absolutely. Yeah. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying for your family members as long as they're breathing breath. Right? There's still hope for them until they breathe their last breath. Oh my. Look at this in Genesis. Turn up to you to Genesis chapter 28. Look at verses 13 and 14. I know I've got us turning around a lot here. Genesis chapter 28, verses 13 and 14. 
And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it into thy seed. Now listen to this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said, not to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And then we just saw, if you're in Christ, then you're of Abraham's, you're the children of the promise. Oh my! <laughs> Isn't God good? Isn't he wonderful? Oh, he's so merciful to us. I'll tell you what, he's so merciful. My, oh my. So the Jewish people, they were looking, they were looking for some, some great person to come. They were looking for a long-promised Messiah. They lost their freedom because of their sin, right? Oh, they're just as bound up as we are, dead in trespasses and sins. They lost their freedom. They were looking for a deliverer who, who would rule over them. They didn't expect one that would come who was lowly, and they did not even know him. He came unto his own, his own received him not. He, they didn't even know him. We saw that in John chapter 12 this week on Wednesday night. He did all these miracles among them and says no, they didn't believe. Why? You ever hear people say, oh, I, just want, I, just want, I just want people to see Jesus in me. You ever hear people say that? They didn't even know Jesus when he was sitting in front of them. The only way we will know Jesus or anyone else will know Jesus is by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in his mercy and in his grace, regenerating us and giving us faith to believe on Christ and rest in him and trust in him. My, oh my. Did you see that little, little note in here? Look, look at this. In the bold in Christ is everything. There will be little else we will want in heaven besides Jesus Christ. He will be our bread, our food, our beauty, and our glorious garment. The atmosphere of heaven will be Christ. Everything in heaven will be Christ-like. Yes, Christ is the heaven of his people. Oh, oh my! What a gem from Spurgeon! My! He's everything. If, if he's everything to you here, he's going to be everything to you in glory. My, oh my. Isn't that wonderful? In number, okay, the third point, I got to get going here. The third point is the uniqueness in the purpose of the birth of Christ. Why was Christ born into this world? Why did the ancient of days become an infant? and become a man. The ancient of days. That's who he is. He's God. Well, the purpose of the birth of Christ was different from the purpose of any other birth that day. See, we're born to live, aren't we? Right? He was born to die. That was his whole purpose. To live the perfect life for us, to fulfill all the law, all righteousness in our room place as our substitute, and then to die as our substitute. 
his birth was so unique in its purpose because look at verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1. This is the whole reason he came. And this is, this is the most wonderful news for sinners. Oh my. He came to die as our substitute. Our text proclaims this. And she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. How will Christ save his people from their sins? He lives a perfect life. And then he dies on Calvary's cross as our substitute. Totally fulfilling everything so that God looks at us in Christ and sees us in Christ. And what does he say about his son? He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? If we're in Christ, what does that mean about us? Oh my. <laughs> you know, and, and this is one for hard, that's this one for hard for us because we're still sinners. We still commit sin. We still, to our shame, struggle with sin all the time. But you know, when Christ saved us, he saved us from all our sins. And he saved us from my past sins, my present sins, and my future sins. But I ask you this, beloved of God. How many of our sins were future at Calvary's cross? Amen. Every one of them. So what, now does that give us a license to go out there and go crazy? No, we won't want to. We won't want to. The love of Christ now constrains us from sin. Now we know what sin is. But beloved, I preach a complete forgiveness in Christ Jesus our Lord. Fully covered. The, the blood of Christ cleanses us from what? All sins. Amen. All sins. Every one of them. There's nothing left. And it, aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that God says, your sins and iniquities will I remember no more? This is the one who doesn't forget. But of our sins, he says, I don't remember them. You ever, you ever contemplated that? He doesn't, he doesn't forget nothing. And he, but he says of our sins, I don't remember them. The blood. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Because we've already been judged in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who, who are in Christ Jesus. No, in the Greek again, that, that's no judgment. There will not be a judgment for believers ever again. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. I'll tell you why. Oh, my. Oh, my. Think of this. Moses was born to, bring, to lead the, the, the people out of Israel. Elijah's remembered as the prophet of God to call a sinful nation to repentance. David was God's choice to be king. He was born for that. Cyrus, he was a heathen ruler, but God used him to rebuild the temple at Jerusalem. Alexander the Great, another heathen ruler, was used by God to spread the Greek language. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere Alexander conquered, he, he brought in the Greek language, right? Before Christ was even born. And then here comes the Romans. Oh, we're going to build a bunch of roads all over. We speak Latin, but we're going to keep Greek as a universal language for some reason. 
right? And then here comes the New Testament, and it's written in Greek. And what does it do? It spreads like wildfire. Isn't, see, God's, isn't God amazing? Do you see how he moved? My. But Christ came into this world. He came into this world for a greater work than any other man. His mission was different from any other man. Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. The purpose, again, of birth is to give life. And for us to fill our little niche in human affairs, right? And then die in death. And, you know, we relinquish everything we have in death. We don't take nothing with us, do we? I always say, Brother Neil was talking one time. He said, Brother Wayne, I was thinking about buying a new chainsaw. He said, but then I thought at my age, he's 60-something now, he said, but then I thought at my age, if I buy that, someone else is just going to use it. So I'm just going to fix my old ones. I thought, that's awesome, Neil. <laughs> oh, my. Oh. John 10, 17 says, Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life. See, he came to lay down his life. That I might take it again. No man taketh it from me. Remember, he gave up the ghost. We saw in the, or heard in the text. He gave up the ghost. No man took Christ's life. He, he, laid, he says, well, I lay it down to myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. He is born to die. He came. You know why he came to? He came to give eternal life to sinners. Oh, my. How merciful is our great God. The great peacemaker came to die, to make peace with God for his people. We could never make peace with God for one sin. And they say if we lived, um, Augustus Toplater, who wrote Rock of Ages, he, was, he liked to play with math numbers. And he said, if we live till we're 82 or 83, we will commit over a billion sins in a lifetime. And we can't pay for one. Not one. And Christ paid for all our sins. For all the sins of all his people, right? He shall save his people from their sins. Doesn't say here save everybody. But he will save his people, won't he? We don't know who they are. So we just keep putting the gospel out. Let God, I, I can't save anyone, can you? We can't even save ourselves, can we? But God can save all who come to him in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's why we say, come, flee to Christ. He's the only hope for sinners. He's the only hope for sinners. And I'm just a saved sinner standing before you, one beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. Right? It's in Christ. It's the only place. It's the only place. Neither is there salvation in any other, that's being Christ, for there's none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Oh, my. Christ is the most indispensable man of all history. Salvation's only in him. Only in him. Other men have come and been a blessing to this world, but Jesus Christ is the necessity that sinners need to be saved. There is no salvation outside of Christ. 
I don't care what religion it is. I don't care what people say. There's no salvation outside of Christ. None. None at all. And the God-man himself said that. Listen to this. This is, my, this is the Father's will which has sent me. That of all which he hath given me. When, when were God's people given to Christ? Amen. Before the world began. Do we have anything to do with our salvation if we were given to Christ before the foundation of the world? You see? You see how amazing God is? See how merciful God is? And this is the Father's will which has sent me. That of all he hath given me, I should lose nothing. He will not lose one of his people. Not one. But should raise it up again at the last day. And then he says this in John 17 too. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Do you have eternal life in Christ? Christ gave you that. <laughs> by his power and by the Father's choice. Woo! I'll tell you what. That's amazing grace, isn't it? That's amazing grace. That, that's, that's, that's incredible. My, oh my. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Listen to this. Let's turn there. John 6, 37. Folks say, well, well, you can resist Christ. Yeah, we can, we can resist the Holy Spirit, but not, when he, but, not, but not when he brings us with his invincible power. Men, 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 resist, men resist God for a season. I resisted God for a season until his invincible grace drew me to him. <laughs> right? And did I come dragging and screaming? No, I come running then. <laughs> did you? Oh my! I'll tell you, if we'd only believe what the scriptures say, right? Look at this. John 6, 37, 40. Look at this. All that the Father give me shall. Not maybe if they make a decision. Not maybe if they pray a prayer. Not maybe if they do this. Not maybe if they do that. Shall. Shall. Look at that. Shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. Oh, my. That's wonderful. That's eternal security right there, beloved. No wise cast out. For I come down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. Nothing. But should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. See, our God, our God, he, he's God. He's all-powerful. And that's eternal security right there, beloved. And it has, look, it has nothing to do with us. We're receivers of mercy and grace, aren't we? We're receivers. People are going to give all kinds of gifts tomorrow, right? All kinds of gifts. And they say, well, if I don't like this one, I'll take it back. <laughs> oh, this is a gift we didn't earn. This is a gift we didn't even deserve. Right? 
This is a gift from the Father in heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, ordained to good works. And he, he has purposed all those things. And the good works follow salvation. We are not saved by anything we do. We are saved by the pure, free, sovereign grace of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Period. Period. And that's what the Word of God says. Oh, how merciful God has been to us. Brother Brian, can you close us in prayer?